Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and today I have Michaela Wade all the way over from England. She is one of the co-founders of the Family Law Assistant franchise, a growing band of new breed legal practitioners who help people represent themselves in the family courts using a mix of legal knowledge and coaching techniques. Her background as a master coach and hypnotherapist, as well being an NLP and hypnosis trainer means she has all the tools to help clients manage their mindset and anxiety and put themselves in the best possible position to win their case in court. It's an honor to have you on, Michaela. How did you ever get into this? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I think uh, I always used to say I fell into family law by accident, but I guess it's not really any kind of accident. When I was growing up, my family life was a little chaotic. Mm -hmm. And growing up in that chaos, I became the glue that binds something that really I, I have today in the franchise. So dealing with a lot of emotions, dealing with a, a chaotic family background, learning how to smooth over the cracks, yeah. <laughs> uh, appease the family. I think we all sort of play that role somewhere in our family, in our childhood. And I was definitely, I was definitely the peacemaker in the family. I was definitely the person that put things together. I was the negotiator. And I suppose very often, probably the adult, I probably felt like the adult in that relationship. And I ended up finding myself <clears throat> in lots of very volatile, controversial roles. I, uh, I certainly, when I left education, I, I thought I was going to become a musician. That's what I went and did and studied. But I ended up being a debt collector. I ended up being a benefits review officer. I ended up dealing with people who had special needs, who couldn't put a sentence together. I learned um, special sign language. I, I learned sign language to, to teach with the deaf. Um, all of that was a great training ground until eventually I thought my career <clears throat> was going to be on litigation. I thought my career was going to be... Uh, contract law specializing and I became I qualified as a paralegal and I thought my trajectory was going to be along a very corporate background I've got a very corporate background until life happened I've married and subsequently found myself divorcing mm -hmm. and because I'd already was qualified I was always smart and savvy enough to do the paperwork myself. But the one thing they never tell you in any of the family law books is the emotional cost. There was no mm -hmm. one by my side telling me and preparing me for how I'd feel, how I'd physically feel, how I'd emotionally feel going through that process. At that time, it wasn't that long after really that I'd met Stephen, our co-founder of Family Law Assistance, and he was fighting to remain a part of his son's life. So all of that, all of that controversy, all of that negotiation skills sort of came to the fore when I helped Stephen close mm -hmm. his case. And now, of course, he's got a great relationship with his son and he sees him very, very regularly, plays a full and meaningful role in his life. Mm -hmm. But it got us thinking because we had moved to the middle of nowhere to be a part of his son's life and whilst that sounds incredibly romantic and noble 
being stuck in the middle of nowhere with uh, freezing cold temperatures, skint, poor, hungry, it, it's not quite so romantic. <clears throat> so we needed something to start and earn whilst we were literally in the middle of nowhere. Where we are, there's more sheep than people. <laughs> um, it's fine if you want to become an agriculture, but that was definitely not my bag. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the least practical person you're ever gonna hope to meet. Mm -hmm. Don't ever give me flat pack, because I will mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I have zero sense of direction. So I was never gonna become into that community. So we founded Family Law Assistance mm -hmm. and it started off with just helping people emotionally. I, of course, I was already uh, qualified legally to put together bundles and process and documents and know the strategy side of things because i've been doing it for goodness knows how long by this point right and then it just started it felt like an overnight success one moment i'm helping somebody putting together a statement the next i'm at the high court um, in the capital city here in england uh, helping somebody stop a child abduction and mm. from that point family law assistance really was established really was born so here we are <laughs> that's excellent what well, that's an excellent service because people need help you know on an emotional level as well as a physical level because this takes a toll on you physically whether you realize it or not right absolutely in fact one of the things that i the majority of what i do is helping somebody mm -hmm. through a panic attack let me tell you those mm -hmm. legal books that i've studied they don't go into that and family law perhaps more than any other law is mm. that more emotional you're not going to get anything more emotive than somebody's family this is somebody's life and when you split with um, a partner or you have children it seems crazy that the first go-to is an adversarial arena such mm -hmm. as a court in which to resolve matters. I mean, these are people that you once loved. These are people that you had not one, but three children with. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're in uh, a sea of black, navy and gray. People who are, it, it, it kind of sort of sounds like English. It, it sort of looks like English, but it definitely doesn't feel like English. Mm -hmm. And so part of that anxiety, that stress, that physicalness, people feeling sick, people having panic attacks, part of that anxiety is being in a completely alien arena. And I think a lot of people in the legal profession tend to forget that it's very easy to sort of put on a suit. I don't, by the way, um, I'm mm -hmm. very colorful, but um, I don't put on a suit. Um, mm -hmm. My guys don't like that. It puts them a little on edge. I can be authoritative without wearing six inch heels, which by the way, I could never walk in. Oh, me neither. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's understanding that people, this is more emotional. This is more human than I think anybody ever gives it credit for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, what people really don't even get was when you're upset and emotional over going into court, it is going to affect your, your body even later in life. Yeah. I think one of the things that we do, especially here at Family Law Assistance, is really celebrate the fact that the people that we're helping are the case. They know every intricate detail of their case. They know who, what, why, where, when, and how. A lot of people that go through family court 
often feel like it's something happening to them. Mm-hmm. And when they feel like it's something happening to them, one automatically steps back. You've got that feeling of being on the back seat. It becomes a reactive approach as opposed to a proactive approach. Mm-hmm. People's voice don't feel like they're being heard. If only they could hear what I'm saying. If mm-hmm. only I could say this, this and this. Or the people they do have representing them, forgetting the most basic but most important details in their case. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we help people do is to have that voice in court. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's not articulate, eloquent or erudite. But they get what they need to say over to the court mm-hmm. without that screen of a third party interpreting it for them most people can represent themselves but what people need is that a that hand holding and the navigation through the court process and i'm not just talking about the form filling and the strategizing and the case law but more the emotional side of things as well i often talk more about the emotional side of things because really and truly actually the law bit is the easy bit Everyone's got Google these days. Everyone can get mm. a law, law book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People, people's rights and people's um, knowledge can easily be found out. It's that question of interpreting what, let's be real, what you see on Google, what you read mm. in a book, what you might see on an internet forum, and how is that applied to their case. Mm-hmm. And often it's that beautiful melting pot of knowing the law, knowing the process, knowing the strategy, but then also combining it with a hecton of of handholding and navigating through that process. So they become, I know it sounds a bit woo, but they become more empowered. Fun fact, most people that represent themselves, first of all, never go back to being represented. No one likes to hand over that control once they become so successful and doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And secondly, often often go on to have blossoming and flourishing careers. Why? Well, hang hang on. They've managed to stand up to a judge and say what's what. They've managed to get this, their own successes. They apply those lessons learned into the, I'm going to call it the real world, because we all know that the rules that we play with in court are not the same rules that we play with in real life. I often liken court to a game of chess. Mm-hmm. Chess or cards, I'm a chess girl myself. Me too. That case of, oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> you know, like they move, yeah. you move, they move, mm-hmm. you move. And you're never going to win a, you're never going to win a case in one move. Mm-mm. No, that's, that's just it. It's, it's a balance of continuances and then motions and then another continuance because they like to drag things out. Right. I, I, I love how you've picked up on that because um, when I'm when I'm talking to people, um, I don't know. I think Hollywood's got a lot to answer for. The reality of of being in family court is mm-hmm. sitting for hours on end in a really bad, stuffy waiting room, drinking really awful coffee. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what uh, managing people's expectations. So I always think one t- tip tip number one: our your idea of fast trust me, is not the court's idea of fast. Mm-hmm. Now, here in the UK, a lot of a court that was government run, so anything that's usually government run tends to be a bit slow, tends to be a bit clunky. So uh, people expect things to be over just like that. And it, that's rarely the case. Mm. <laughs> it's a procedure. It's a, it's a process. And mm-hmm. I think people having to understand 
it's a process just like when one applies for one's driving license or anything else that you might need from the government and it's a long process um you know you think that justice is going to be done and the judge is going to get it and get your story and really understand and get that you're dealing with a personality disorder and figure it out and he's not he doesn't care no and i think that is that is so important um a couple of things first of all people expect to just rock up to court and i hear this a lot i simply have just got to tell the judge everything he'll get it and we can be on our way and mm -hmm. it, it never is that simple because guess what if there's one thing the court does like it's a lot of reports it's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of time mm. and i think secondly i think one of the most important things that i've learned and what i tell my clients is these are your children these are not the judge's children these are not the professional's children <clears throat> this is not the social worker's children they are your children and i think when you're kind of putting your trust your life into somebody else's hands it's it's very easy to forget why we're there in court so much so actually that i'll always get my guys to take either a picture of their children into court with them and just have it on the table mm -hmm. and that's that's not nothing about submitting evidence or in a statement but you know what? There's a lot that can be drawn from that. First of all, it gives the judge an indication of the hang on, these are actual lives that I'm deciding upon here. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful message in the room. Now, if my guys can't and they struggle, it's too emotional, then I'll always get them to at least have a, a favorite toy. Uh, I, was in, I was in court two weeks ago and my guy, he brought um, his child's favorite squish toy and before we got into the courtroom he told me all about the adventures of this squish toy that his child had had with them but tell you what that not that first of all got his anxiety from fifth gear down to first gear but it also meant that he was child focused because we all know mm -hmm. when we're in that arena it, it's i i i i i Mm -hmm. whereas there's a powerful argument to begin sentences with your children's name so that at least you come across as child focus. Mm -hmm. That's strategy stuff that you don't find that in a law book. Mm -hmm. That's practical help that can actually, it, a lot's focused on demeanor, especially in a family court. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Like in our court system, they just want you to say their initials. Like <laughs> JN, right. I'm referring to rk yeah it's like uh, i don't know that's what that's what kind of we're doing over here i don't and i have to say i think it doesn't matter really where where we are on the planet mm -hmm. whether you're referring to i have been by the way it's slightly different here in the uk um but then it not not so much not so much really um very often people are referred by the applicant or the respondent well hang on a minute mm -hmm. they were john jane they met fell in love they had three children you know they right. were never once in their, their relationship as the applicant and the respondent you know mm -hmm. in your system kids were never just initials so i think it's about sort of bringing that to life which mm -hmm. people who represent themselves kind of get away with doing much mm -hmm. more so because they are the case mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and they know their case better than anyone. And I'm sure when they meet you, then they've got to tell you the whole story. So you know what's going on so you can help them better. Right, absolutely. So part of, um, it, it's funny, um, listening to people's stories, it's probably one of the things that puts a fire in my belly. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I meet people from all walks of life. Um, and just knowing how they got to be in that position, I find personally fascinating. And mm-hmm. I can sort of take all of that because listen, they may know their case, but very often they probably can't see the wood for the trees mm-hmm. they feel that the judge needs to know everything they need mm-hmm. to know war and peace now all of it now so mm-hmm. having to kind of select the bits i often liken it to a movie mm-hmm. you know very often you don't want to sit down and watch the entire movie mm-hmm. but you would want to know the trailer and actually the trailer a well put together trailer is, is very very successful Mm-hmm. And it seems like these judges want very few details. <clears throat> I don't know if you're seeing that a lot. Yeah, which hence my reason, actually. So a couple of things I'll always say to clients. Um, actually, probably my top tip, okay, for anybody who's, anybody going through family court right now, <laughs> are you waiting for it? <laughs> shut up. Seriously, shut up. <laughs> right, right, yes. <laughs> And whether that's online, on social media, whether Mm -hmm. it's in the courtroom, here's why. You might feel that the judge needs to know everything, but actually you're making the judge's life harder. You've got to rewind and talk in almost need to know basis bullet points and as if you were creating a shopping list you would have the necessities your loo roll at the top and the nice to haves or the nice to knows more at the bottom your chocolate and wine (laughs) depending on your priorities should go go at the bottom of that list Mm -hmm. and it's the same for when people are in court you're right judges courts are overrun understaffed underpaid probably and Um, they don't have the time they don't care they don't care one case to the next you're in you're out boom next it's 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 a production line Mm -hmm. so you need to stand out and there's a whole heap of stuff that people can actually do to help themselves so being quiet shutting up being selective in what you what you say is super important Mm -hmm. and and i have to say anybody going through court will know that the magic doesn't actually happen in the courtroom the magic happens behind the scenes which is not quite so sexy i get it (laughs) but it is it's in the planning it's in the preparation it's in the lining your ducks up ready it's in it's in all of that it's in preparing for what you say i would say that 90 percent of the work that goes into a court hearing is behind the scenes it's like that iceberg most mm-hmm. of what happens in preparing for a court case goes underneath the iceberg. What we see, the courtroom, is the tip of the iceberg. And to some greater or lesser degree, that's that 5 or 10% where you are in the lap of the gods. Mm-hmm. And when you have been in court with people, have you had some really bad judges just completely disrespect uh, your clients yeah uh, sadly so uh, judges are like anybody they're human 
And I'll never forget one particular case. I walked in, it was a Friday afternoon. Mm. It was about half past three in the afternoon. And I know judges, um, especially here in the UK, if it's if you're in front of a judge, by about four o'clock, they want out. Mm-hmm. So it was about half three. Cases had significantly overrun it. Um, I don't know what it's like <laughs> over where you are, but if they book you in for 10 o'clock, if you're out before five, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. So we were there at half three. And as I walked in, and bearing in mind, my guy had been, we'd been sat there and my guy had been pretty much percolating all day at this oh, point. We no. get in at half past three. You know, he's got his script. He's, he's been over and over and over what he's supposed to say. He's, he's in the mindset. But he's gone past that now because it's half past three and it's a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And we walk into the courtroom and the judge is there with his feet cocked upon the table, his hands behind his head. And the first thing that he says to us is, I need a gin and tonic. Oh, oh my gosh. And... <laughs> And Whoa. <laughs> my guy, my guy, well, he, he loses colour in his face. and I'm sort of propping him up. And I simply say to him, we are just going to have to play dead on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was no way on earth that this judge was going to do anything. It was half past three, four o'clock. He was out of there. And, and guess what? I think that's a powerful lesson learned when anyone going through family court, because sometimes you're ahead Sometimes you're behind and sometimes you don't move anywhere. Mm-hmm. So after that particular case, um, and I say that because, A, well, my black sense of humour thought how bizarre and how funny. Um, secondly, I, judges are human, but you're absolutely right. It was absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. and unprofessional mm-hmm. when you've got somebody walking through the court who's fighting to be a part of their child's life for whatever reason. And that's the attitude after mm-hmm. waiting all day. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's sad. That really is sad. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, it's funny because after that experience, um, he did actually go on to completely win his case because mm-hmm. I don't know, I think for him that must have been a turning point. To be honest, it was a turning point in my career because I'd never come across anything quite so blatant. I'd seen, mm-hmm. I'd seen, I, I've seen judges nod off during mm-hmm. submissions i've seen um uh people sneaking food in I- i've seen all kinds of really bizarre stuff but nothing quite so <laughs> quite so blatant as that before you know yeah i have seen judges nod off myself and thinking wow the taxpayer is paying you all this money right You're, it's nap time <laughs> I- i'm sorry oh, am-, am i disturbing you for a moment right. there i thought i was in a courtroom <laughs> right exactly Oh, the, these poor people that go through um, family court. And I know in England, they don't have juries over there either. That's right. Because it's now, private. How, and how, how do you feel? I mean, do you think there should be a jury? So I'm actually, I'm one of those people that I can see both sides of that story. Mm-hmm. I think it would be good to have court hearings public mm-hmm. so in, in the UK, because I think... Um, some very prominent issues um, could be easily raised to the surface. And one ser- one serious issue that springs to mind is parental alienation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if people could really see what was going on, I think a lot more would be done a lot quicker. However, mm-hmm. I also see the flip side to that in that it's not like criminal court. 
criminal court tends to be a lot more black and white, mainly because the burden of proof is that much higher. So here in the UK, in criminal court, we have to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt in criminal court, which means you've got to be pretty darn sure that they've done it. Mm-hmm. But we know family court's not like that. Families are not like that. The burden of proof in our family court is that based on a balance of probabilities. I know, it's not quite so catchy. Mm. And it's very woolly and it can come across as very grey. But I think that that reflects, sadly, the nature of family law. If we think about some serious issues such as domestic abuse, we've got, there's a whole spectrum to sort of more subtle domestic abuse incidents like gaslighting mm-hmm. all the way through um, from that gaslighting and perhaps that so coercive coercive behavior mm-hmm. right through to something much more sinister that is absolutely a criminal offense but i think sadly it's the nature of family law so i i sit into two camps i see an argument for both sides um yeah well, I know to run a jury over here, it's expensive. And I don't know if a parent would want to take on that expense. Yeah, that's a very important point. You know, um, my cynical side always says, mm-hmm. follow the money. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I'm cynical. I totally understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I, I feel at least, why not put video cameras and tamper-proof mics into these courtrooms? Right. Yeah. Right. That way... You know, you can, I mean, if people saw how these judges behave, they might, see, I don't think you, you don't vote your judges in, do you? No, that we don't. Mm-mm. So you do. Right. Well, so, some of, some states do, some states don't. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a whole can of worms really, isn't it? Yes. I mean, we have something slightly different. Um, so we either have a judge or we have magistrates and mm-hmm. magistrates are three lay people mm-hmm. who are making these decisions and don't get me wrong they're sort of assisted by a legal advisor but you walk in and go well could you perhaps not know the law it would be useful if you did yeah uh, yeah so and then and, and fun fact 60 percent of all cases here in the uk are heard in front of magistrates and uh, yeah one could get very robust magistrates Mm-hmm. But it, it of, often, sadly, tends to elongate and augment proceedings mm-hmm. in an already <laughs> protracted, uh, frustrating. And don't get me wrong, they've tried to bring down the amount of time. In fact, they had tried to bring it down so that an average case in family court, in private proceedings anyway, uh, was down to 18 months. But well, that's not much consolation. And I always seem to be coming across blasts. And I said, well, it's only 18 months. 18 months in that journey is a heck of a long time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing as well is that although you, one would have, hopefully, a final order after the end of that 18 months, mm-hmm. guess what? It's usually not suitable for a child up until they're 16 or 18. So guess what? More applications are being made. It's same, same, different packaging. Mm-hmm. So I, do, I don't know what the, I genuinely don't know what the answer is, to be fair. Um, and I think part of the nature of that um, is the nature of families. What I do say is this, though, I do think there should be a lot more education out there 
mm-hmm. uh, for serious issues. I know lots of people, um, uh, and good luck to them, have been campaigning strenuously to have big issues such as parental alienation and uh, more issues surrounding domestic abuse. Perhaps um, another controversial one, uh, uh, male victims of domestic abuse. Um, that those stronger issues to be um, brought much more to to light. Oh yeah, definitely. There's so many entanglements in these uh, court cases yeah. that uh, you know the judge has to look at these multifaceted cases, and I think that's when their eyes glaze over. Right, and I've got to say. Um, it's that feeling of overwhelm. So for mm-hmm. anybody, and heck, you know, my, my, my heart, my passion lies with the people that are going to court. That's who I'm here for, you know, because it, 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 it's, it's tough. So mm-hmm. I'd say the next top tip would be um, to make sure you've got your support system around you. And what do I mean by that? Well, <laughs> spoiler alert, friends mm-hmm. and family may not be the best people in your corner mm-hmm. the amount of times that i've sort of rocked up to court with my guy with their posse of people and i've been the one to kick him out because it, it's emotional so granny granny's got an opinion and she's mm-hmm. not afraid to, to voice that opinion mm-hmm. you know the best mate says what you want to do is dot 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 mm-hmm. it doesn't help right and i often and I also think that the friends and family, anybody going through will, family court will deal with this in a very, their own way, because it's kind of like a living grief. Whatever mm-hmm. issue you're dealing with, it's kind of like a living grief. So some people may overshare to their friends and family. Mm-hmm. And the friends are like, oh, God, they're mm-hmm. this bit again. Uh-huh. Yeah. The story when, they, when she left and she cleared the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll talk about the rocking chair now that was left. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. about now. So, you know, from the friends and family's point of view, they feel frustrated. They feel helpless because they don't know what to say. You know, uh, they don't know what to say to, to help the situation. And they'll, they'll have their own version of it themselves. They'll have their own model of the world. They'll have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And I think can't really comment really unless you've walked a mile in somebody else's shoes. So they may not understand what, what people going through family court are going mm-hmm. through actually so when i say a support network i first of all think get get yourself into a support group get yourself into like-minded people people who are going through the divorce people who are going through child issues people who are going through non-molestation issues or abuse issues that, that was my first tip and then I'd, I'd also say uh get yourself the right legal support whether it's somebody like me whether it's a good whomever you've got in your legal corner make sure they're the right person because in court you guys are a team in court Mm-hmm. and you've got to feel like you're a team now don't get me wrong there are times when i've got to say things to people they don't necessarily like but they need to hear mm-hmm. doesn't matter mm-hmm. in court we are absolutely a team and they need to feel a team mm-hmm. and then finally get yourself a good therapist because i mm-hmm. guarantee you <laughs> whatever whatever issues you're going through and and i speak as somebody myself who i'm an nlp coach i'm a master trainer um a master coach and hypnotherapist i understand more than anybody i guess that Mm -hmm. when people get divorced or when people go through child issues you're looking at past historical issues Mm -hmm. and actually some of these issues perpetrate through generations when i was dealing much more with public law cases where there's local authority involvement and Mm -hmm. children are being adopted or into foster care what you'd find is three generations of families you'd have the grandparents 
then you'd have the parents and then of course you'd have the children and what you'd find actually is the issues have literally perpetrated through generations so when your joe blogs average is just going through a divorce and he's just separated from his wife or or their husband or, or whomever there is there there are unresolved issues it always takes two to have a relationship breakdown mm-hmm. always whether somebody's not um, respecting their own boundaries or whether somebody's self-worth isn't decent enough or where it should be, whatever those issues might be. And of course, we're also dealing with, uh, ang- we're dealing with the kaleidoscope of emotions, uh, anger, sadness, fear, hurt and guilt, which I guarantee you there's not been resolved from issues back in your childhood, whether it's mummy or mummy or daddy issues, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But trust me, they all seem to come to the front at the point of, of 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 being in family court i often think that family court is not just about family court it's the dam the dam breaks i think when mm-hmm. people go to family court so get yourself a good therapist mm-hmm. be mindful of people of friends and family know that they love you know that they support you know that they come at you with nothing but love but bearing in mind that they're not walking through your shoes so have your team around and my other top tip I would say for anybody going through family court, and I say this actually, whether people are represented, whether they are unrepresented, be organised. Mm-hmm. I've come across so many people. I remember speaking to somebody and they, I said, so where's your court order? And she said to me, yeah, about that, it's in oh. my bread bin. I said, oh. your bread bin? To, yeah. And then... Um, I, I was doing a, a virtual call <laughs> with her and she literally opened up a bread bin and this kind of this avalanche of paperwork <laughs> fell out from a bread bin. I kid you not. Um, and of course, it was all dog eared. It was coffee stained. It was partially ripped. So my biggest thing is be organized. Get yourself a lever archer folder. Get yourself a decent printer scanner. Get yourself some decent pens that work Put everything into chronological order, screenshot everything, because there's not just a practical element of being organized, whether you're representing yourself and you need to put paperwork through to court, or actually, if you're represented because you've done the work for your legal brief and therefore saving you a few extra bucks, Mm -hmm. bingo. Mm -hmm. But from a mental point of view, Mm -hmm. you're in control. Mm -hmm. If you feel that your life is in some kind of order, guess what? You act like it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was in court, they were asking, the judge was asking for a certain visitation order. So he, he says, counsel, do you have this order? And both opposing and mine did not have this order. So I piped up and said, your honor, I have the order in my purse. Would you like to see it? So the, the bailiff handed me my purse and I pulled it out. Here it is. So he got to look at it because it wasn't being followed. <laughs> But yet, you know, all he did was give a slap on the wrist to the uh, opposing side for not following the visitation order. Right. And I, and I, and I guess that brings me nicely to, an, I guess, the next point. Um, people often think, is the court order worth the paper it's written on? Mm-hmm. I get that a lot. And I think especially in family court, I don't know what it's like in the US, although I'm getting a, I, I do get a hint of what, <laughs> what it's like. But trust me, I guarantee it's, it's not that different from the UK. Um, when people, when some party breaks the court order and they're going back to court to enforce their order, and they get nothing but a slapped wrist. Understandably, my guy saying to me, well, hang on a minute. Aren't we like in court? Why do court never enforce their own orders? 
And I always think it's about picture building. It's never, it's never the final product. Court orders can be breached. They are breached. It's a bit like the burglar system that one puts on their house. You could have a great big fancy schmancy burglar alarm that you put on your house. If someone's going to burgle your house, they don't give a rat's behind what fancy schmancy uh, burglar system you've got on the outside of it. They're going to do what they're going to do. There is more, I think, of a deterrent. I would also say, especially in family court, that I don't think it's ever ever over. I mean, how many parenting books do you see? How to parent children via a court order. How to parent a child via text. How to Mm -hmm. parent a child via a communication book. That's right. There isn't any because it sounds insane. Mm-hmm. because it is insane and yet there's so there's millions billions of people who are parenting their child with a court order there are people who have got their financials with just a court order mm-hmm. so i'm not always sure that it's ever over so my another mm-hmm. top tip is learn to live your life alongside the court process and what do i mean by that I often liken it to the weather. Now, <laughs> I know that you spent some time here in the UK, so you know it rains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if, if there's one thing about the UK that's sh- as sure as eggs is eggs, which is a very British phrase, mm-hmm. um, it rains a lot. So mm-hmm. we pull our umbrella up when it rains. Mm-hmm. You're still going to go about and do your everyday business. You're still going to go to the shops. You're still going to do the grocery go go to the grocery store. Your laundry. But you put the umbrella up and soon enough, (laughs) eventually, although some people might want to correct me on this, but eventually the the sky clears and the rain Mm -hmm. stops. Uh, I'm from, I'm actually from Wales. So Mm -hmm. it rains perhaps more than than average here. Yes. (laughs) Well, see, when I was going through this, it's my... My current husband was working out of town, lucky him. Okay, he was really lucky. And this is probably how our marriage survived because he was working out of town, pulling in more money to cover the loss of my job. But we would only talk about court, like what happened for about 10 minutes. And then we'd talk about his day, talk about something else because we're not going to sit here and dwell on what happened and how I got screwed again in the courtroom. (laughs) Right. I think that, um, Marianne, I think that's absolutely healthy. Because I think you need to have some boundaries around this because you know as well as anybody else, it can feel all-consuming. If you you let it, it becomes the only thing that happens in your life. And actually, um, there's still many other stuff that's going on. So I'll always tell people to look after themselves. Mm -hmm. Whether they take up uh, Tai Chi. I I had somebody that every time they came to court... Um, they would go Thai boxing. Mm. God, goodness knows how they made it. I have no idea because it sounds pretty rough. But mm-hmm. they would do Thai boxing the day before. Um, and so by the time they came to the court hearing, they were calm. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that's going through court, I, an, a, another top tip is to make sure you look after yourself. Eat right. Exercise. Even if you feel like you're going through the motions. Mm-hmm. But it's it really is important. You... Your children need you to be on your game. They need you Mm -hmm. to be your best. And sometimes people miss the basics. People off some. I know some people who have um, turned to abusing drugs and alcohol just to kind of get some release, get some feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. 
So to make sure that you look after yourself, get enough sleep, exercise, eat right. It sounds obvious and it sounds mm-hmm. basic, but you know as well as I do, people that, that's often something that's very missing when mm-hmm. you're going through a divorce and it feels all, all overpowering, overwhelming, all too consuming. So yeah, I think, and having pr- healthy boundaries about when you discuss it, especially if you're in a relationship. I mean, when I deal with people who are in a family or in a relationship, I often work with both of them because both of them are going through this. It's not just one person, it's the other party as well. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. the, the husband or the wife that's the, the, the partner or the step-parent, um, it's going to be affecting them too. And they're often the driving force behind what's going on as well. In your case, your husband was kind of earning a few extra bucks to kind of be the support behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, often... It, when it when i'm helping a guy sometimes it's the wife that is the it, she's the glue that binds she's the she's the person that's driving us forward she's the person that's saying look darling um don't worry it'll be fine i've got you so it's important for me and my team that we're working with the family or the couple because it affects both both people mm-hmm. yeah and you know the other spouse may feel helpless like there's nothing i can do but i'm just you know i'm over here and you're over there you know, just, you just have to be a listening ear. Uh, right. And, and, you know, um, I, and I speak from personal experience here as well, because um, I was that spouse. I, I was the step parent. I'd, I'd met Stephen, the co-founder of Family Law Assistance. And <laughs> um, I know at the beginning, I, I realized I'd been mar- I was marrying him, but I hadn't counted and figured out that I was also kind of marrying the ex as well. I knew I knew that I that, that I'd accepted my husband and his son, and in fact, um, me and my stepson have got the most incredible. I am super blessed mm-hmm. to have such an incredible relationship with my stepson. But you know, I think people see that now, but what they didn't see was mm-hmm. how much patience, love, sometimes a lot of wine, just to... <laughs> right. <laughs> just to get through it because i mean goodness me in the beginning days when there was a court fight going on you know there was it, it was a lot there was the ex there was a court fight there's a child that i've got to get to know mm-hmm. so having some healthy boundaries and heck i think an expert is somebody that's made all the mistakes right mm-hmm. i have made all of those mistakes you know i i at the beginning i definitely drank too much um, I thought the number of times I ditched my husband because it was just too much. The number of times I sort of walked away and thought, oh, I can't be dealing with this. The number of times I walked away and thinking, goodness me, um, is there not an easier way to do it? Mm-hmm. But I, I kept going back and um, <laughs> being that support. And then for me, as the, as the spouse, as the stepmother being dropped into step parenting, just left to get on with it. You know, I've, I've been there. So I have a particular um, uh, a particular love and a particular sympathy for step parents, you know, because it's tough, mm-hmm. you know. I think women, there's a whole thing. Of I, me- I remember going to the school gates and um, kind of being looked down upon. And mm-hmm. then, of course, my black sense of humor thought maybe i'm just better off wandering into the school playground with a big oversized t-shirt that says the upgrade on it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so it was all of those emotions and 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 head stuff that i went through so i understand particularly when it comes to other spouses but i also know this that where we are now despite the mistakes i stuck with it 
because mm-hmm. now well now that my stepson and me have an amazing relationship um, mm-hmm. and that took a lot of love and patience um and and work a commitment i made mm-hmm. a pact with um my husband i said I, I make a pact that i will make an effort and get to know and have a relationship with your son but he also has to make a pact with me that he kind of understands that what i'm going through is hella tough right now <laughs> mm-hmm. and that that pact um and those boundaries have seen us through and it's seen us rights so um more than ever i think um i am particularly invested in working with families working with couples because i know the knock-on effect i know how it's been being uh, the other woman but you're kind of persona non gratis you know you're not you're nobody there you're, you're nobody really and yet you have to treat the child like it's your own but you're walking this this tightrope of what and then there's, there's no rule books by the way that comes with being a step parent so mm-hmm. um yeah I, I really have lived walked and breathed it in every which way mm-hmm the thing that I had noticed, at least, well, in my case, was my kids really, really liked their stepfather, who I married. And I think that caused a lot of jealousy over there. And that just compounded things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was slightly different. Um, so I've always had respect um, for my stepson's mother. Mm-hmm. Um I remember earlier on, certainly in my case, um, in our case, um, she tried to sort of get me involved in all those proceedings, would rather mm-hmm. parent um, my stepson with me. But I think that for me, there was a line and mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was ignited by some jealousy as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what? <laughs> I always think it's almost like if, if you could subtitle mm-hmm. what was going on. I remember doing handovers. And, you know, the the unspoken things on the surface, it was, hi, how are you? I love your top. Don't you look great? Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. little Johnny's doing, doing this little artwork and everything. And then where the where the handovers were was in a car park. I could almost hear this sort of Ennio Morricone um, soundtrack <laughs> as this kind of Mexican standoff. And if you were to subtitle what was going on, what was really going on, um, I, I always think it would, would make quite a comical scene. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a whole heat of America. And both sides, I have to say, both sides, you know, mm-hmm. um, certainly from my point of view, I totally understood the whole jealousy. Oh, my gosh, my husband had met a woman and has had a child with them. And at that time, oh, not wanting that with me. And oh, so I do see that kaleidoscope and issues mm-hmm. of, of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you put the child in the center of that, and you realize, hang on a minute, it's not about me. And that's mm-hmm. what helped me. It's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. this this little boy here that needs to have a relationship, a meaningful mm-hmm. relationship with both sides. So whatever issues I had, um, and I've certainly had them. I remember getting outside the car um, and, and practicing. How ridiculous is this? But practicing the walk. The walk over to the car to pick up my stepson that says i'm fine i'm good i've got this i'm calm i'm confident i'm i'm me (laughs) (laughs) and it just seems so ridiculous now but um (laughs) yeah we've all been through it and so yeah (laughs) putting aside all those feelings and and those issues um it's easier said than done Mm -hmm. it is it is. Have you ever had a parent come up to you and say, I just need to be hypnotized. I need to forget all this ever happened yes. and just forget it and move on. Right. So one of the things I actually do <clears throat> as a sideline, um, being a hypnotherapist is, is, is to calm 
that mind is to calm mm. that inner voice i remember once in fact it's when i was just qualifying and i remember having somebody who had um she she came out in an anaphylactic shock it's a bit extreme but um she had a phobia it was nothing short of a phobia mm. and she wanted to um put another application into court and i said listen love that's not going to work because mm -hmm. the minute you see him you're going to go into an anaphylactic shock and then we've got the ambulances it's just not going to work i mean you're going to rock up to court go nino nino how is that even going to work mm -hmm. so um right then i i hit we, we did some hypnotherapy i removed a phobia mm -hmm. then she was calm so it's more about people sort of say wanting to forget but actually what they need is how to cope they don't want to forget mm -hmm. they don't want to forget mm -hmm. their children they don't want to forget um they may want to forget the horrible stuff but most people just want to move forward actually they want it fixed but i remember that i've i've spent um a few intense days coaching somebody who had their children taken off them and with a different mindset totally changed and mm -hmm. they got their kids back so a lot of the people don't understand or underestimate actually how much mindset a lot of people say well the professionals are this the judges are this blah 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 and that might that might or might not be true but i tell you what there's quite a lot that can be said for somebody's mindset and that can be changed that can be managed um so uh, actually you can achieve the result that you want mm -hmm. well i'd like to have you back on is there anything else you'd like to say no just that um we we're going global um so i think uh, yeah so you know a lot of people i mean where you are in in the states um a lot of people represent themselves i'm not sure they have exactly the same version of what we do here in the mm -hmm. uk uh but i tell you what workshops may very well be winging its way over to the states um i'm certainly um, i'm in the process of getting sorting out some workshops um, so for help people who represent themselves or people going through court, I mean, it's the lessons that we have to help people get through that are really powerful and they have no boundaries. We don't, the international boundaries, it doesn't make, it doesn't matter what the, the issues that people go through. It doesn't matter whether you're in the UK, Australia, the States, it doesn't matter. So watch out for that. Okay. How can people reach you? If they would like to talk to you. Sure. So uh, my website is www.familylawassistance.com co.uk and if you just google Michaela wade family law assistance i'm absolutely everywhere <laughs> oh good good i'm everywhere yeah <laughs> you better be I, I certainly am so uh, instagram twitter facebook youtube oh, got a youtube channel as well and you can hear uh, me chatting to uh, people who work with us um you'll hear us chatting to our team i'm regular i'm regularly on live i've got my my settings set to public seriously i'm absolutely everywhere so anybody that needs help um whether it be a mindset or just helping going through court then feel free to hoot and holler at me that's excellent thank you michaela i'll be looking forward to having you back on i'm more than happy to come back on oh good okay don't jump off uh slam the gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms i'm your host marianne petri author of dismantling family court corruption why taking the kids was not enough and cry out for justice poems of truth please join us again with michaela and other exciting guests so i thank you again michaela thank you my pleasure thank you